Have you ever thought about what it takes to grow an impressive following on social media platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn? How about the effort and strategy behind turning that following into a source of income? Welcome to the Influencer Breakdown Podcast with your hosts, Dan Pinkard and Jake Potter Rivera. This is your place to hear from and learn about the people who have made it as influencers. Hello there. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about some fairly big YouTubers. Probably the biggest, some of the biggest YouTubers in their space. Yeah. And they've been on the YouTube trending page fairly often, recently at least. I think I see them at least like once a week, it feels like. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about the LeBrant family. Yes. Cole and Sav LeBrant. Everly, their daughter, and Posey, their infant daughter. Um, together, they go as the LeBrant fam. They have multiple social media platforms here. Um, let's just get into some of the numbers really quickly here. So on YouTube, the LeBrant fam YouTube page itself has almost 12 million subscribers, three and a half billion views total, which is just incredible. Half the world's population and views. Um, their Instagram page for the LeBrant hat the LeBrant fam has a million followers and their Facebook has 1.4 million. Cole LeBrant, um, the father figure in, uh, of the family, has an Instagram following of 5 million. TikTok, almost 14 million. Twitter, 800,000. Sav, the mother, has an Instagram following of 6.4 million. TikTok, 20.5 million. Twitter, 700,000. Everly, the six-year-old daughter of the family, has a YouTube following of 3.2 million. <laughs> yeah, let's just pause right there for yeah, a second. I'm going like, to take a second and let us soak that in. Yeah, six years old, YouTube following subscriber count of 3.2 million. Yeah, I actually think that, and here's here's an impressive number that you brought up. Everly's most popular video for her toy unboxing channel is more popular than any of the videos on the LeBrant fam YouTube page, which has been around for much longer and has a much bigger subscriber base. So it just shows you she's a very successful YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then she has uh 5 million on Instagram too. Yeah. So, I mean, and here's probably the most amazing number of them all unless they have a dog page that I didn't know of, but Posey, their infant daughter, I'm not sure exactly her age, but she's around a year old, something like that. She has 1.7 million Instagram followers. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. It's amazing. Give me some of those followers. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a family uh, social media influencer conglomerate that just exceeds amazing numbers. 71, over 71 million social media followers uh, between everybody in the family. My, my wife and I have a combined following of like almost 60,000. That's pretty close, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're on your way. Add another couple zeros, you know, change yeah. it from 60,000 to 60 million and you're not even there yet. That's just amazing. So uh, if you've never heard of the LeBrant fam, which I assume that if you're listening to this, you've either heard of the LeBrant fam or you're already a fan of the podcast. Um, by the way, if you are a fan of the podcast so far, go ahead and take a minute and rate the podcast or hit the subscribe button. That helps us out so much. If you're on Spotify, hit the subscribe button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and rate the podcast. Those ratings are what helps the podcast get to seen or listened to by more people. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you have heard of them, which I think many people have, some of their more famous videos they did, you know, Cole and, and Sav did like the, or Cole and uh, Everly did like the daddy-daughter mix-em-up challenge on YouTube or on Facebook, and that video went like super viral. I think it was either last year or the year before. 
um, and they did all the dancing where they they switched the clothes that they were wearing during the dance. And you're talking about hundreds of millions of views on Facebook. Um, they've got TikTok views that are just crazy. They constantly have popular TikToks. They take a uh, they kind of play on the whole idea that that Sav, Everly, and Posey all look like littler versions of each other. Sav obviously being the oldest. So if Cole is besides them and they use TikTok to edit edit it so that they can make it look as though the person is changing, they can do like a glow up kind of thing throughout the videos. It's it's super popular. I mean, it's it brings a smile to your face when you watch it. Yeah, so you I gotta know. love it. Yeah, they're like a pretty little family. Like, yeah, it's a family it's, dynamic. It's and then to be fair, they're beautiful people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I gotta I gotta be real with that. I mean, Cole is a great looking guy. Sav is a great looking girl, and their whole family is just you know. With some got, adorable kids. Yeah, like, exactly. They've got that kind of star mentality, it feels like. Um, <clears throat> that being said, you know, let's look at what they do. So so their biggest claim to fame here is going to be their, their LeBrant Fam YouTube page. It's a family vlogging style channel. They do about two videos a week, um, averaging, I think that kind of looked it up beforehand, it looked like about three million views per video. So, you know, you're talking about six million views a week on YouTube. Um, so they have quite a big following. They also have some other impressive things that they do that we'll get into a bit later, but um, I just want to take a minute and kind of soak in how, how impressive this family's accolades are. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we, we talked about this in the first episode, how um, it's really cool to see when one person's success pours over into family members' success. Uh, with this family, it was it was kind of two successful people marrying each other, um, but now it's even poured into their kids already at, at a super young age. Um, and it it is it, it's impressive, and it's it's really uh, interesting to just kind of study this uh, and and study the the trends on YouTube where this is happening over and over again with a lot of families. Yeah. And I think that just looking at it, first of all, as you mentioned, one of the most important things to see with their success is that Cole and Sav both individually had successful influencer platforms before even getting married together. So Cole had a Vine following of around 6 million. He did, you know, um, just like relatable Vines and stuff like that. It, just, I don't know, shareable vines, kind of a weird thing. And then Sav had a Musical.ly following. I wasn't able to find the exact numbers, but she had a pretty impressive Musical.ly following. Um, now we know like TikTok is basically the combination of Vine and Musical.ly. So it makes perfect sense that they're now very popular on that platform as well. Um, and then also a huge part of their success is their brand friendliness. Yeah, they, they are one of those uh, families that every single brand would want to be associated with. Yeah. Um, it's not like there are some YouTubers where they, they can, uh, like there are some specific names that come to mind. I won't, I won't drop them, but, um, they're, they're the kind of person that a lot of brands might want to distance themselves from because yeah. they're, uh, they just don't come across as very, very friendly and desirable. Uh, this family, it, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like the, the golden family. It feels like of, a, of social influencing um and you know I, i'm gonna compare them with a different youtube brand right now that um you'll kind of see how how i look at them dude perfect is another brand on youtube that is just like and we'll probably eventually do an episode about dude perfect but they're a brand where every advertiser there's nothing that you can look at and say oh that's controversy or or controversial or that's you know this or that's that ultimately you know, dude, perfect. They keep their their image very clean, and not to say that they're people that have never you know done stupid things or anything like that, and and 
actually in the after show today, which we're going to tell you about a little bit um, or at the end of the show. So if you stay for the entire episode, then you get to hear about where you can listen to the after show. But on the after show today, we'll talk about some of those things that we think, you know, would be controversies and whatnot with the with these influencers. But for the most part, I mean, they are so brand friendly. And I, thinking from a perspective of somebody who who looks at social media influencing, and, and I've definitely done my research on the brand impact on so or the the impact that a brand can gain from social media influencing, you know, or or sponsoring social media influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, what we end up realizing is that. Is that a brand? Uh, people like this who have built a brand like Colin Sav has as a little brand fam. I mean, you would just, you would do a lot to have a commercial with them. You would pay a serious premium to have a commercial with them or a brand deal with them over some other YouTubers. Yeah, especially when it feels organic. There's a big yeah. difference in in brand deals between um, a sponsored post where you say we're going to take a break from this this show and and yeah. tell you about our sponsor versus when you incorporate a brand into your lifestyle. Um, so Cole and Sav and their family, if they incorporate a brand into their lifestyle and just show them using a product, using yeah. a service, using something um, where it feels very organic, it, you all of a sudden trust that brand because this very friendly, beautiful, desirable family mm-hmm. is using this brand. Um, and so it that that in and of itself, it's something that's hard to measure from a marketing perspective. But these big companies, they know uh, they know what they're doing when it comes to branding, and they know how effective that can be, and yeah. so they're willing to pay a price for it. They basically become the spokesperson for that brand on that platform. Um, one example that I can pull from it, which, by the way, I don't have um, any examples of Cole and Sav's specific branding deals, but there is a YouTuber that I follow. Um, his name's Draw with Jazz as a YouTube page, but he's uh, one of the biggest YouTubers in the art community and in the drawing community. And he has a brand with a company or a deal with a company called Hueyon, which does drawing tablets for computers. And yes, he'll frequently stop and give you a little detail about some of the tablets, but ultimately, like that, he uses the tablet himself. It is his. It is part of his brand's identity. And I can tell you right now that I don't even draw. And I've thought about if I ever did. You know, other than maybe an iPad Pro, like a Huion tablet is probably what I'd go for just because I know the name. So it's like when when a brand can get integrated with an influencer that well to the point where it's not only a sponsorship, but it's also just a portion of their lifestyle, then you've really hit the nail on the head as an as an advertiser. And then, of course, the more family friendly that that brand is. So for instance, whoever, let's say that a brand wanted to reach out to um, Cole and Sav and strike a long term commitment deal to have long-term sponsorship and branding deals to really integrate into their brand, the LeBrant fam brand. Well, they're going to take into consideration that, hey, we know that YouTube is pushing your content because you're family friendly. We know that people will naturally, well, the algorithm, you know, wants it. We know that, that our brand will never face backlash for sponsoring you guys. So that just is even more immeasurable value. Yeah. I mean, you think about some, some YouTubers, some celebrities and the way that there, there's always bad press. There's mm-hmm. always gonna going to be some controversy. There's, I mean, you you look at the uh, the magazines when you're checking out at the grocery store and you see all of the like the headlines of this person did this crazy thing. Um, a, a brand that is associated with that person all of a sudden feels the impact of that bad press. Yeah. So when you have a YouTube channel, a YouTube family like the LeBrants, it's a very safe way to go. You you have a lot of potential. With ROI, you have a lot of potential to grow your brand through them, and there's not much risk. And so it's it's just perfect for um, 
for brands. And I, I mean, I've personally, like I'm into photography and videography and I've personally bought stuff from people who have, who are trustworthy, like the LeBrants. I've bought stuff that they promoted on their YouTube yeah. channels. Um, but sometimes people who are a little bit less relatable, I guess you could say, uh, I'm, I'm more hesitant to buy what they're promoting. So yeah. you can, you know, look at that as so many different directions, but ultimately the, that value right there that you just brought up, that's not able to be perfectly measured by a brand. But what we do know is that any brand will pay significantly more to be in those hands, you know, and that's why you see these already, you know, you might look at the small YouTuber that you follow. They might get a sponsorship from, you know, NordVPN. They might get a sponsorship from some, some, um, you know, energy drink thing or some mobile game app. But few YouTubers are getting the sponsorships from from companies like Nerf, which is like what Dude Perfect, their whole brand is wrapped up with Nerf. That is already a multi-million dollar company. So much hinges on the line for them. Or a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company. So much hinges on the line for them. They are looking towards that specific sponsorship to to really bring the company into the future of its sales. And they're not taking that lightly. First of all, the money's not going to be lightly, but they're not taking it lightly, you know, which is just, it's, it's, um, it's important to recognize that, you know, that, that this is why, this is a big portion of why this family's page has grown so successfully is their brand friendliness. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, a lot of what plays a part in that is kind of the background of their family. One, one thing that sets them apart from some YouTubers is a big part of who they are is their, their faith, their beliefs. Yeah. And they, they make that public. They're completely open about it. Yeah. And it's just a central part of their brand. Also is the history of how they met. And uh, Sav actually had um, Everly when she was 20 years old. And mm. they didn't meet for another couple of years after that. And what, when did they get married? It was, she, I think, I think she it was, was 2017 and okay. Cole was 19 and Sab was 23 at the time and Everly was three years old. So, I mean, they're, they're a big claim to fame that they have is their wedding video. And there's like this, I don't, I don't remember if it's a separate video, if it's a big portion of the wedding video, but it's basically Cole says these daddy daughter vows to Everly as in like, I'm marrying your mother, but you're going to be my daughter after this. And it's. I mean, if you want to cry, go look up that video, you know, because I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things you're like, it's very sweet. It's unique. I love, I love it. And, and it makes you look at that and it just, it paints everything in a good light. I mean, you look at them and you, you got rose cut, rose colored glasses while looking at them just because, you know, what they do. I mean, it's, it just feel, it's a feel good thing, you know, feel good vibe coming from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so they have done, I mean, you, you kind of have to wonder how much of it is natural, how much of it is intentional, but they yeah. have done a really good job just creating a brand uh, for their family of these just very friendly, desirable, fun, happy people um, who, who live a lifestyle that a lot of people want. Yeah. And, and so it's very relatable. It's very enjoyable and entertaining. And like we said, that's just perfect for brands. Mm hmm. Getting into the uniqueness, you know, we're talking about what makes them unique above other people. I mean, there's other family. YouTube channels out there. Um, one thing is that, first of all, I think that it, it would just be so impossible to not talk about the fact, like genetically, they're just a great-looking family. That's just a part of it, you know. That's not something you can uh, you can work up to, but yeah, you might want to hit the gym if you want to build a page as big <laughs> as theirs. Start now, you know. No, but I mean that's just the truth. They're just genetically a, a great-looking couple. Their children are great-looking, um, you know, and that's something that people just like to see. 
They have individual brands. This is so unique. I don't think it's exactly unique to the LeBrant fam, but it's such a unique way to go about social media and it's so impressive. So let me just run this down with you here. Is that is that they have the LeBrant fam YouTube channel, which is kind of their big claim to fame, the central brand of the family. But then every single person in the family has some one or more other social media platforms that they do well at growing. So when I look at Cole, you know, he has a very popular TikTok page. When I look at Sav, she also has a popular TikTok, a growing big Instagram page. Everly, she has a toy channel review. I mean, listen to this. Think of you're, you're an advertiser and you're like, man, this family's got everything, but it sinks because we sell toys and I guess that it wouldn't connect with their audience. Oh, well, look at this, a toy channel. Perfect, you know? So, so they have these individual brands and even their daughter Posey, they've said, and I don't know if this is so intentional. Um, or whatnot, but they've set her up with her own Instagram page. Imagine, I mean, you're kind of just born into the influencer lifestyle, and that's kind of cool. But every single one of them has their individual brands so that even standalone, they have the ability to to work with advertisers and they can section off that niche of the market. You know, Cole would probably relate a little bit more with some of the guy viewers, while Sav would might relate with some of the mom viewers, and Everly will relate with the children. You yeah. know, so now you can section off these niches and you can still you can grow your brand even bigger simply because you individualize the brands as well as being together as a family. Yeah, every marketing expert ever will tell you that the best way to succeed is having a niche that that you you can relate to a very specific audience. And the more generic your audience is, the harder it is to be relatable and the harder it is to succeed. So the fact that they have the ability to kind of separate their channels to some extent, they have that the, the general family channel, uh, but also these individual channels, it, it gives them such an, a, a great ability to succeed and grow those yeah. channels, but also for advertising to earn an income through those channels yeah. way more than if it was all just combined. Like even if they had, even if their family channel was a little bit bigger than it is now, they, they still would have a harder time earning as much money through that channel than the fact that they have uh, all these successful individual brands. Yeah. And when you combine that with their TikTok whatnot, the greatest thing as an advertiser, if you're talking, and we talked about this in the first episode, if you're talking about TikTok, you really, it's an unknown territory for advertisers. But you can look at that and you can say, oh, well, you have a TikTok, but you also have an established YouTube page. So what we can do is we can strike a brand with you that kind of goes cross-platform. So we can give you maybe a little bit less than, than TikTok might be worth because we're not exactly sure what it's worth, but we'll give you a little bit more than what YouTube is worth because we know that you're safe content and that's going to be multi-platform. And so then they have this ability to 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 combine these views, you know, to combine everything that's going on. And that's why I'm looking at, that's why it's so impressive. They have 71 million total followers across all platforms. Now, when you're an advertiser, you might only be interested in one platform or whatnot, but ultimately they have the ability to market to 71 million different follow or not different followers, but 71 million followers. Obviously they're not all unique, but they can, they can definitely spin it in a way where an advertiser would look at that 71 million and go, Yes, we want to hit that number, the big number. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I am am passionate about is marketing, digital marketing specifically. And and one one thing that's really important is for companies to focus on cross-channel, multi multi-channel efforts. Um, so, for example, you want to be you want the same individual, the p- potential customer, the prospective client, to see you on uh, Instagram, Facebook. 
in in their email, print, like if you're sending stuff to them through the mail, um, all of the different channels that you can possibly possibly reach the same person, you want them to see you in multiple different places. So uh, a family having channels like like you're saying in uh, on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, that's very very desirable for a company um, when they're trying to figure out who they're gonna they're going to pay to yeah. to, to sponsor their products. And yeah, a, a company might not care as much about Instagram, but they're still going to want that cross channel promotion. Yeah, and and ultimately. It's also going to allow the LeBrant fam to have more accurate kind of metadata on who their followers are, you know, because if they can see that the same people on Facebook, listen, on YouTube, I can see, you know, the people that subscribe to me subscribe to different um, family YouTube channels. But on Facebook, if I see that this person with the same Google account is on Facebook, um, or if I'm even just looking at my individual Facebook followers, then I can look at that and I can say, oh, look, my followers tend to like these pages with maybe this style of music or this brand. You know, maybe they like Aeropostale or maybe they like American Eagle or something like that. They like those Facebook pages because um, ultimately, even though, you know, we've kind of talked about this, Facebook is it, it seems like it's it's not going to necessarily grow significantly more in the influencer influencer platform. But what we do know is that it has a unique amount of data stored on people because people use it so privately. Like they, they, they put everything on there. Yeah. And Facebook has, um, if you know anything about digital marketing and running advertisements on Facebook, you know, Facebook has pixels installed on millions of websites Yeah, where you go on a website, any big website that you visit, there's going to be a Facebook pixel on that website. Mm -hmm. And so Facebook is not only tracking your your uh, what you do on their platform; they're tracking every single click, every like how long you spend, uh, every every <laughs> like item you're looking at on other websites as well. And so yeah. Facebook has crazy amounts of data on who you are and what you're interested <laughs> in. Mark Zuckerberg swears that he will never use that against you. So you need to just put your faith in that. Yeah. If you trust him, (laughs) then you're good. But But ultimately it's, it's all meant to give you a better advertiser experience. And then obviously the more, uh, targeted an ad is the more valuable it is because if a if a advertiser could know that their cost of acquisition could be lower, they're going to pay more for that in the long run, knowing that the cost per individual customer will end up being lower because they're, they're targeting ads accurately to people that are actually going to be interested. If you knew as an advertiser that, hey, I could throw this ad out like a shotgun and 10% of the people that see it will buy it, which is a crazy good number, by the way, or you could say, or I could really target this advertisement and I can know that every time somebody sees it, it's going to be 50-50 whether they buy it or not. You're going to pick that, you know, even if it comes at a premium and the upfront cost, the overall profit is going to be worth it. Yeah. And, and I mean, companies are thinking about things like, like you said, acquisition costs. They're also thinking about the lifetime value of those customers. Mm-hmm. So so with technology now, um, companies are able to track how valuable is each of each person that fits into this category, fits these characteristics, these um, this kind of model, um, how valuable is that customer? And over the next 20 years, how much are they worth to us? Uh, how yeah. many times will they buy from us? How, how often will they, uh, will they care about our product? So um, companies really care about data like that. And having multiple different channels, the LeBrant family is able to provide a lot more data to potential advertisers because they, they just have more. Um, each individual platform has its 
own individual ability to track data. And so the more that you can show to advertisers, the more likely you are to get more money from them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, ultimately what we're talking about here with that is, is just we're talking about the brand friendliness. And I know that maybe in a in a large scale that didn't maybe sound exactly like it relates perfectly to LeBrant family. But what we're doing is we're trying to relate relate to you guys just what it what it takes to build a platform like that and how a platform becomes that successful and then what you could potentially have from that platform. So I mean I, I assume that many people that listen to this podcast are actually interested in some way on having an influencer platform. Even if you don't intend on actually acting upon that interest, I'm sure that you've thought about what if I had a YouTube page? What if I had an Instagram page that was popular? I'm sure you follow people that are known just for that. And you've thought, man, it would be cool to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So let's let's get more into some of the specific things about them, um, just sharing some information about them, and then you guys will have something to go off of. So we, we talked about, you know, how they have their individual brands. They also, you know, we talked about multi-platform success a little bit more into that. They have that YouTube channel, those YouTube channels that are big. They have those Instagram pages that are big. They also have written books. Now those books are like, I mean, that's, that's the sweet spot for fans is that you can actually get an intimate insight on their lives. And of course, you're going to pay for it, but you can get this unique, intimate insight onto their lives. And I know that's like the books that they have written are very um, intimately written about their family. And that's just something that as a super fan of them, you would be interested in reading. They have the TikTok platform. They have, you know, at one point they had Vine. So it just shows that their success wasn't just limited to one platform at a time. Um, and you, then, you know who they, they remind me of? <laughs> like full, full sense celebrity status, like... Uh, they remind me of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Oh yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry, I I interrupted you, but I was just like when you were talking about yeah. them writing books, and I actually didn't know until till doing this research that they they even had any books. But it's uh, Joanna Gaines has a book. Yeah. Like a, I think she has a couple books now. Um, it, it's just very similar. The the desirability, the yeah. cute family, good looking, very fun. Um, and, yeah. and the way that they've they've tried to like um grow grow different uh platforms and revenue streams so yeah. and i mean chip and joanna Gaines, they you know they keep faith as a central portion of their brand as well mm -hmm. um and that's just something to look at um i guess i guess the one thing that i could use to encourage that is that if you are somebody who has the christian faith is that you know if you thought about muffling that to grow your brand maybe you should rethink that because Obviously, for these people, what it's done is maybe it took a little bit longer to grow the platform, but ultimately that platform is much more viable once it's there. Yeah. Um, and then also, most recently, Cole had a small role in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So I think that's just impressive, though, to say, like, hey, you yeah. went from being a Vine star to now you have small roles in big production movies. I actually saw that movie. I liked it. I, don't, I have no clue where he was in it. Yeah, but suppose maybe well, he was a guy holding like a raptor head or something, but he was in it, you know. Well, His it, arm it always least. it always starts with a small role too. Exactly. Like, yeah. Next time it could be a, a still insignificant, but he could actually yeah. have some lines. <laughs> yeah, knows? exactly. Maybe he'll say the one line, you know. He'll have a good one liner during a movie, but I mean that's just so impressive, guys. That's what that's really what we're getting at is that we don't want to take time and dog on these brands or anything like that. I mean. These guys have done something so impressive with their family, turning it into this huge platform. They've really taken their their growth into their own hands. And and instead of, you know, waiting in line and waiting for months and months for callbacks on auditions to TV shows and to this and that, they just said, Hey, we're gonna make it our own thing. We're gonna we're gonna become influencers. We're gonna build a platform that people want to view us on and, and we're gonna sell that to the world. And they've done that so successfully. Let's get into some of the potential income that we think that they're making now. 
big caveat here. Potential income is always going to be super rough numbers because there's just really no way. Like there's no way to measure how valuable a brand thinks it is to have such a family-friendly sponsorship with them, you know? So so we we can't tell you exact numbers, but we can tell you what we've looked up and then how we feel personally about it, knowing some of the numbers that we know about general YouTubers and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, on YouTube, they have 130 million monthly views. Mm-hmm. So when you break down the, the uh, data for how valuable those monthly views are, it is, uh, according to Social Blade, it's probably about $500,000 per month just in AdSense. On the high just, end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me take a second and explain to the listeners what AdSense is because I don't think everybody would know this. But essentially, when, you, when you're on YouTube, um, you're working with Google. Google owns a company called AdSense, and AdSense throws is obviously the company that is selling the ads on, your, on, on YouTube. So you're going to have pre-roll ads on your video that that roll for a minute or two before your video. You're going to have mid-roll ads and post ads. You're also going to have the little pop-up banner ads and this and that. So those are the ads that are going to be run by AdSense, which is owned by Google. Now, Google is going to going to pay you according to your CPM, which is cost per million, but Google uh, actually displays it as cost per thousand. So cost, the cost that they're going to pay you per 1,000 views on your video. It's actually cost per mil, which is French, and it's oh. per thousand. See, learn so, something every day. I think it's French, but I don't want to say okay. that. Okay. Hey, keep it in there. They need to know. Dan knows French, and that's what matters. But anyway, so cost per thousand is essentially how they're going to pay you. And what happens is, according to your brand and according to basically how valuable YouTube sees and how valuable advertisers see your platform is how much you're going to get paid per cost per thousand. So if you have maybe really edgy content and whatnot, then your cost per thousand is going to be low because guess what? You're you're not super brand friendly. If you're in an unbelievably flooded market, then your cost per thousand will also kind of most likely be low. And this is always a variable, a varying number depending on the the you know the video that you're putting out, the brand that you're working with, this and that. It's all varying. Um, what I have heard personally is that like real estate pays some of the highest numbers on YouTube for co- for their CPMs, um, but YouTube will essentially in your AdSense account will show you, hey. Um, on this video, you can expect an estimated cost per, uh, or CPM, I'll just keep saying CPM, you can expect an estimated CPM of, um, let's say $13. Now YouTube's going to take half of that cut right up front. So you're going to get a $7 or $6.50 CPM for every 1000 views, you're going to get that much money. So that's a long form explanation of what AdSense is and how YouTubers are making that kind of money. Hopefully now, as you continue to listen to our podcast, you can understand this lingo. Um, and that's why it's important to look at, hey, they may, they get 130 million monthly views, but their CPM could be as low as like $2, but it could also be as high as like $20. Yeah, and, and Social Blade is is probably one of the most reliable sources yeah, for really are. tracking that data and, and being able to say they uh, probably get a CPM of such and such amount. Yeah. So with this many views, they probably earn about that much. So when, when they say at, at the high end, $500,000 per month, uh, for the LeBrant family, it's based off of some of the data that they've been able to track with other yeah. YouTube accounts, stuff like that. Yep. So, th- I mean, we can't say for certain that it's 500000 per month, but it, it could be somewhere around there. Yeah. That, based off of the, the potential data, it could be around $500,000 per month, which that's a lot of that money. That is just <laughs> YouTube AdSense. Yeah, and that is, <laughs> for most YouTubers, just for anyone who doesn't know this, for most YouTubers... The AdSense money is the lowest amount that they earn from yeah. their YouTube, like from the different ways that they make money with their YouTube channel. 
Usually AdSense is on the lower end. Yeah, brand deals, clothing lines, you know, merchandise, stuff like that is usually a much more significant portion of what they're making from their influencer platform. And that's why, as you guys heard in the last episode, we talked to an influencer, but not actually gaining uh, money from ads running on their page, but instead they have a, a separate platform that they draw revenue from that they're taking their influencer platform to and they're and they're gaining customers from that. So same kind of concept. If the LeBrant fam has a clothing line, they can now, you know, leverage their their following to go and start buying from their clothing line, which then they can collect the majority of their profit from. Or or the books. I mean, or the books. The books who are knows? a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what the sales look like for their books? I mean. Yeah. And, and what their profit margin is, what the pub, what cut the publisher gets, those things are hard to know. But what you can know is they're earning a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and we can say, according to Nibuzz.com, they have a twelve million dollar estimated net worth. Now, that number may, for some of you, it may be super surprising. For some of you, it might be what you expect. I personally would have already expected that because mm-hmm. I just know how much money is on YouTube. I mean, I have. If you follow some smaller YouTubers that are a little bit more transparent with how much money they're making, you can see that people with 100,000 followers on YouTube are making kind of crazy money, two, $300,000 a year just from AdSense. So looking at that, I mean, if I do the quick math for the Social Blade estimate, 500000 per month, that's $6 million a year. So you could see it's not a far jump to get a $12 million net yeah, worth, and I, that's definitely growing. <laughs> I'm honestly a little bit surprised it's not higher yeah, than that. Yeah. Um, and maybe, I mean, who knows what Nibuzz was basing. Yeah. That on, they could have been basing it purely off of AdSense. Yeah. Who knows what what they use to to gather. And a net worth of that big doesn't mean that you have that much money in savings. It yeah. means that's how much your brand as a total is worth to the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's how much you own in how much equity you have. Yeah. I mean, the the home that you I mean, yep. do they have two homes now? I I know I, think I just they saw have two homes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's how much equity you have in your homes, it's how much you have in savings, cars, it, it's everything. It's more yeah. than just the money that's the cash on hand. Yeah. So, and I could imagine, um, and I'll just say this quickly because we don't have much to speak on it, but I could imagine that for brand deals, you are really looking at, for a really strategic integrated brand deal that that you know has some long-term value, I mean, you got to be looking at over you know, $50,000 per brand deal. It's just, I mean, that's like, I've heard other YouTubers talk about industry standards and for a channel this big, an industry standard is, you know, you're starting at $50,000 per brand deal on a really good deal. And I'm not talking about the, hey, we're going to throw in, you know, a Coca-Cola can on our countertop. That might be something like that might be a couple thousand bucks here or there. We're going to give you one TikTok video, a couple thousand bucks here or there. But the actual big integrated brand deals, I mean, easily starting at $50,000 for them. Do you know, I mean, I I don't know this personally. Do you know how often they incorporate brand deals into their sponsored products, services? I don't. Yeah, I don't. And I wish that I did have that information. To be honest, guys, we don't have the opportunity to research, to watch every single video and like you know, this isn't necessarily content that I would soak up. So it's like, I can only do so much, look so much into it, but then it's going to be, you know, the people who are the fans of them to do that, do that math in their head and see like, oh, wow, if they're throwing out a brand deal every third video, this is exactly how much they could potentially be making. Their videos are about like 13 to 15 minutes long from what I've seen. So, I mean, go ahead and watch a few of them. See, see how, how many brand deals you, you can, some of them might be organic. They might not very clearly say this is a brand deal. But try to pick out how often they're they're talking about brands, and you can maybe do a little bit of math about the potential income there. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the replicatability. And the whole point of this is that if you're listening right now, then 
then hopefully you're somebody who wants to see how you could potentially do this yourself. We talked about it with Charlie D'Amelio. We talked about it to Austin uh, Bel Belsack about um, just how how you could potentially grow your LinkedIn platform in that episode. For this episode, it's it's mostly YouTube, but honestly, it's going to take kind of a same path as Charlie D'Amelio in the sense where she started on a different platform. These two started on a different platform. So again, with this whole idea that, hey, YouTube might be the end of... You know, your end goal. Yeah, there's but, a, there's a larger barrier to entry yeah, in YouTube. Yeah, but you you may be better off starting somewhere else. So I, you know, what I would say is that some of the replicatability features are, you know, looking at how brand friendly can your personality be. Now, you don't want to be fake to your viewers. So if you're somebody who who you just have a certain personality that maybe brands aren't going to love it, stick with that because ultimately it's going to pay off in the end that you're more true to YouTube and don't feel like you're faking yourself for the platform. Um, but if you can be brand friendly, think about how brand friendly can you be? You know, consumable content, 13 minutes of video, two videos a week, man. I so I would soak that up because guess what that's that's you know just under the normal run of a of a thirty minute television show. Yeah, and, and you you think about the algorithm on platforms like YouTube. Yeah, they want you to keep people on their platform. Um, we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. The more time people spend on their platform, the more time that you users are on YouTube or Instagram, the more money they can earn through advertising. And so the more money they earn through advertising, the more successful they are as a company. So of course, their algorithm is going to push uh, channels, videos, stuff like that, that yeah. keep people on for a long time. So if you have a 13 minute video and people watch all the way through, or they watch most of it, uh, YouTube is going to just push your content like crazy. Yeah. And so that's, that's why they're successful. If they had like two minute videos, three minute videos on YouTube, it would be a lot less successful because YouTube wouldn't care about like two minutes isn't that long for somebody to spend on yeah. YouTube. And then I would say the last thing that, that we mentioned, we can wrap it up with a, you know, this whole idea of going multi-platform, multi-brand. You know, if you, if you have what it takes, which by the way, in the last episode, we did talk about, take the time to master one platform before you just overwhelm yourself. But if you have what it takes to build a TikTok following and then push that following to YouTube or vice versa, where you build a YouTube following and then you push them to TikTok and you can build both platforms at the same time. Put the effort in to do that, but also take the time to, this is why so many YouTubers have second channels or they have, you know, little this or that. If you have a TikTok and you want to do singing videos, but your YouTube content is vlog style, then, then, you know, push people to that. And now you've just opened up a whole new niche to yourself because guess what? You, you're passionate about singing videos, but your YouTube channel doesn't really hit that audience. So if you do those niche videos, there's going to be overlapping fans there, you yeah. know? So multi, multi, um, brand style where you you open yourself up to being multiple different individual brands which dan you and i we both do that i mean we both have mm -hmm. other platforms other than this podcast that we work on that we brand that are different than this podcast yeah just knowing that hey if one of them catches traction then both then everything grows in success alongside it yeah and, and we'll talk so in the after show which we're going to be doing in a just a few minutes here yep um, we'll talk about a little bit more, uh, some things about like bad press, the, the, I mean, everyone's heard the saying, uh, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about some of the bad press and, and some other things that have maybe contributed to some of their success. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, those are basically the basic things where you're, I mean, the brand friendliness, um, the long form content that's really just desirable, um, 
obviously we talked about uh we talked about earlier how just beautiful of a family yeah. are. that's that's hard to try to, to replicate that <laughs> yeah but i mean being uh desirable in your personality yeah too, and presentable yeah yeah so those are some of the things that that you can try to do to replicate that success and, and some of it's a lot of it's just discipline they've been yeah. making content for a long time very disciplined very regularly mm-hmm. so sticking um, with it yeah just even if you don't get a lot of views at first just keep Keep pushing, keep making Everybody content. started from nothing, you yeah. know, unless you're, unless you're, you know, already a celebrity, which by the way, then you started from not a celebrity, but everybody started at some point from nothing. Even people who go viral, usually they go viral because they're making a lot of content and one of the things yeah. just, just hits. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I heard, and we'll end it on this, is that when I was first growing, trying to grow a YouTube page, one of the very first pieces of advice that I heard is that if you post once per month, then you've got 12 videos a year. And that's 12 chances for a video to pick up a lot of traction for your channel to grow. If you post once per week, that's 52 videos a year. If you post twice per week, then you're talking about 104 videos per year. So the more that you post, as long as you keep the content quality, the more opportunity that you have to strike gold with one of the videos and to really hit the YouTube algorithm on the head and just grow big. Same with TikTok. Anybody who does TikTok knows that you could post 100 TikToks and just randomly, even a three-month-old TikTok will just start popping up on people's Mm -hmm. For You page and just blow up, you know? So, So having that backlog having that discipline posting frequently those are the things that are really going to set you apart from others yeah guys we're so thankful that you took the time to listen to this episode and uh what we want to do now is we want to invite you to come and listen to the after show dan and i are going to take a little bit more time to share some um genuine opinions about what we think about the lebrant family the platform that they've grown we're definitely going to talk about some of the controversy that's out there and whatnot um, and we're going to reserve that. You can go to our Patreon link, um, which we'll share in the in the description, or you can find it on our website. Theinfluencerbreakdown.com. And that's where you can listen to our after show every single week. So join our Patreon to become an official TIBP VIP and get access to that after show. Mm-hmm.